I'm trying to develop a presentation about the layers of consciousness. And in trying to put that down onto paper, I'm actually getting very confused. So I'm going to start talking about it. And hopefully, out of that, we can create something a bit more clear. So these layers of consciousness are found in many, many traditions, in many, many places, all around the world, and in all different types of projects and, and approaches to life. They're very, very universal. And there's a very strong agreement between the different traditions on, on what these layers of consciousness are like. And so they... They are a kind of uniting universal approach that shows us the choices we have in, in how we live our lives. And they are a holarchy, which means not a hierarchy, not a hierarchy in the sense that some things are better than others, but a holarchy is that some things grow out of the others and are kind of bigger than others, contain the others. So this means that there is a definite order to them and and when you are developing your consciousness, you have to go stage by stage through these layers. You can't really skip them. Um, but it's still there still is a choice of where you want to work at and there's value working at each of those layers of consciousness the earlier layers that are, you might say, less developed, um, less subtle and spiritual and more practical, these layers, like we said, are practical. And there's a certain uh, simplicity with them, dealing with simple, generally smaller scale, more practical activities. And it's really important that we do deal with the small-scale, more practical activities. The great mystics are not generally very good with their practical activities. Sometimes they are, because mysticism doesn't stop you from developing your, your other capacities. But often people will focus their consciousness on these mystical layers and not put terribly much effort into developing the, the other layers. So these layers of consciousness are often seen as a rainbow, a spectrum, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And there is actually a little bit more than that. There is a ultraviolet there's probably ultraviolet A and B. There's a couple of layers beyond ultraviolet. And there's a, at least one and possibly a couple of layers beyond infrared as well. Um, but often it's easiest to focus on these seven, seven levels of consciousness, the main ones that we work with. And these, this is obviously related to the seven chakras that people, people are mostly familiar with these days. And there are also seven layers of the aura that are connected to the layers of the chakras. And these layers of the aura are related to the layers of consciousness that are called the koshas in Indian, Indian 
philosophy. They're also related to the Christian teachings of Saint Teresa d'Avila, who is a Spanish saint of the 16th century, who wrote a book called The Interior Castle, which is about all of the um, different uh, rooms in your being and how you develop these, these uh, her symbolism that she uses is about rooms and castles and mansions being the kind of experiences that you have inside your soul, inside your consciousness. So she's talking about the same thing in a very symbolic way. In developmental psychology, in Western psychology, they talk about the same things as developmental psychology. In uh, wealth dynamics, they talk about it in terms of building your business and how, how big and extensive is, is the, uh, the business or the, the way that you're dealing with money in the world, whether it's a little small business or whether you're just getting a job or whether you have multiple businesses, uh, great large businesses, or whether you're working on social transformation and economics. There are all different scales of work and these scales of of impact in wealth dynamics they're called it's called a wealth spectrum but it's really not so much about wealth it's more about impact what level of impact are you having on the world what influence are you having and so this is an application of the same layers of consciousness to their impact in the world and i think this is this becomes very important when we are looking at social transformation because in order to do things at the higher higher more impactful scale in society we also have to develop the higher or deeper capacities of consciousness the barrett value center talks about these same layers of consciousness in terms of the values that we hold at different layers of consciousness. And it talks about full spectrum, what's the word, operating on full spectrum, which means that you're working with all of these layers of consciousness and they all have a place and the values of all of them are, are respected. So every kind of spiritual tradition, religious tradition, belief system, tends to come out of a particular layer of consciousness. Now this is not to say that Buddhism is at one layer of consciousness and Christianity is at, an, at another. Although there is a, a certain correlation, it's not very specific like that but if you get one kind of very clear belief system one particular stream of Christianity it will often be focused on one particular layer of consciousness and I'm including here atheism and science as, as a kind of religious belief system as well and that is also one layer of consciousness that creates this kind of uh, rational perspective on life. So the Indian system starts with the Annamaya Kosha, which is the physical body, 
It's anamaya means made of food. So this physical body has instincts and and what you create what you have at that level is an instinctive consciousness. And so if we refer to this as the red level of consciousness, the values system would talk about this as the survival consciousness. And survival consciousness is instinctive. It's very fast. It responds very quickly to things, and this is how it helps you to survive. So if you need to fight, you fight. If you need to run, you run. If you need food, you find some food. It's very simple, very direct. And there's a lot of value in that when you're dealing with simple, direct issues. If you're uh, stranded in the wilderness somewhere, you need to find some water and some warmth warmth and some shelter now, today, not think about it and design it and create it next week. You need it now. So you go and do it now and you figure it out as you go along and you become effective in a physical, direct kind of way. So this is the survival consciousness, the instinctive Anamaya culture. And this relates somewhat strangely um, when we start to relate this to the chakras, we would expect this to relate to the root chakra, the base chakra at the base of the spine and see the the chakras um, as a development upwards through each of these chakras. And to some extent this is true, but When you focus your mind on your chakras and you actually choose one particular center and focus in on it, it creates a state of consciousness. And the state of consciousness that is created by by doing this kind of focusing work on the crown at the top of the head is actually the survival state of consciousness. So the system actually works backwards in this particular case. So when we're centering ourselves in our chakras, this is a way of creating, for tuning into these different states of consciousness. And this is something that you can fairly easily do, just put your consciousness in that, uh, that centre. And, and you can also kind of move your body from that centre, just feel how that, how that centre becomes um, the centre of your action and your feelings and your thoughts. And when you do that, um, you're able to tune into what it feels like to be at these different states of consciousness. So, at the crown of the head, we have a sense of being faith, kind of trust, Trust in some some higher power, but this trust is is very simple. It doesn't require uh, action and and lots of um, religious uh, focusing on it and studying it. It's just there, and because you have that, you're able to tr- also trust yourself to act. And so this is where what allows the instinct to act very very effectively. 
and to respond quickly to things. And it also allows, in a, in a way, it allows the, the world to respond to you in an effective way too because you're um, taking your mind out of interference and allowing things to happen and it allows yourself to, to, to act and it allows others to act as well. Um, it can, of course, there can be plenty of conflict in this, but there is a certain level of trust and faith that is there. When you bring your consciousness to the second chakra, in this, in this line when I say the second chakra, I'm meaning the third eye, of course, this creates a much more deep thinking state of consciousness. So the orange layer of consciousness, the orange layer of consciousness is it's kind of social, conformity, fitting in, having a place in society, family. And so your people who are very strong in the orange layer of consciousness will often be very uh, upright, good citizens who fit in. They have a strong family. They have. They go to church. Uh, they're part of their community. Often they're they're very professional. They'll have their. Um, they'll be a doctor or a lawyer or some other respected profession. And they will do it well. Do their job well be reliable in what they do. So this is the backbone of society and a very important layer of consciousness to have. Uh, conscientiousness, your, your conscience that makes you think about what's the right thing to do comes out of this layer of consciousness. Uh, of course, at every layer of consciousness there is a certain element to eth of ethics but uh, they're quite different at different layers. Um, and this is where the, the more strict moral code is very strong. So we then move on to the yellow layer of consciousness. Yellow is performance and success. And it can be very materialistic in the sense that it focuses on direct experience and what it can see in front of itself and and test and rely on. Um, the, the concept of belief no longer seems appropriate. It's better to actually see for yourself, to test things. So a lot of science comes in here, but also a lot of shamanism comes in here because... Shamanism is about experiencing things for yourself, not just believing in what your teacher tells you, but we're going to actually go and experience these uh, other expanded realities that it's possible to experience, see it for yourself. And so there's a kind of test in there, there's a kind of reality that is being, being seen. So it's actually very similar to the, and related to the scientific kind of viewpoint. And it's also a layer of consciousness that is very good at achievement. Setting a goal, figuring out 
how to get to that goal and going there. And this is why we have such amazing advances in technology at the moment in the, in the last couple of hundred years because the consciousness that has been ruling society has been this yellow consciousness. And because this yellow consciousness is ruling society, we get a, a lot of rational scientific thought and a lot of movement towards achieving goals, a lot of movement towards creating technologies that actually are able to do things. So this, in the chakra system, is related to the throat chakra. When you focus your consciousness on your throat chakra, when you focus your mind there, you create a kind of focus on truth, focus on what you can see in front of you, and focus on goals and determination. If you take this a step further, you go beyond the yellow into the green. We're moving beyond the rational mind to the insightful mind, the creative mind. So that this is at the heart centre. And what we find in the heart centre is a sense of compassion and understanding and peace. But also a sense of insight into others, an understanding of others. Now I have to say at this point that I have a certain question, a certain doubt about how the different, how some of these systems line up with each other. So I have a, a understanding quite precisely of what it feels like to tune into each one of these these centers, these energy centers in the body, the chakras, and what this centering does to our consciousness. Um, but how exactly to this lines up with the other systems is is um, under some question. I'm I'm fairly sure I'm right within one point, but it could be uh, some slight slight differences in uh, in how they how they line up. So, for example. I've been saying that the Anamaya Kosha, the first layer of the mind of, of, according to the yogic system, is equivalent to the crown of the head centering. The second layer of the mind is the Manamaya Kosha, which is this sense of um, belief and, and being a good citizen. Um, and the third layer is the instinctive, is the rational mind which is called Manamaya Kosha and then we have the Atimanas Kosha which is the higher mind and the higher mind is creative and determined and I think maybe I'm getting a little bit muddled and the creative mind, this Atimanas should really be uh, equivalent to what I see in the throat center centering which is that determination and the ability to succeed 
and creative expression and it has a certain insight into the world and that's where the shamanic kind of approach really fits. And that I should separate that from the very rational conscious approach which is in the third eye, in the head. In which case um, the karma mayakosha, the emotional sentimental conscientious layer of mind is actually at the crown of the head which is where we have faith in in God and and this idea of a survival instinctive layer of consciousness would be actually one step above that outside of the head up in the in the air uh, kind of sometimes it's called a soul star chakra anyway um, so this will have to be developed quite clearly and and there's some research that's still to be done on it but going right along we're at the heart center the heart center has a sense of inner peace and contentment and compassion it would be related to the vigyana mayakosha of the indian uh, philosophy which is is very familiar to us through buddhist teachings actually the buddhist teachings that talk about detachment and discrimination being able to see what is good and what is bad and what is necessary and what is not and not being affected by the ups and downs of the world but maintaining always the middle central path of peace it's often seen as a kind of golden peaceful layer of consciousness and so when you have this experience in the heart you have a lot of compassion and you have a lot of peace and you have a lot of understanding of others and kind of soulfulness beyond this layer of consciousness if you focus yourself down into your belly into the in the Indian yoga system it's generally seen as the, this belly chakra is seen as being behind the navel now this is also called the solar plexus sometimes but the solar plexus is generally viewed as being a little bit higher in the body which is somewhat confusing and leads to some different descriptions and and uh, depictions of the chakra system in in different books and in different teachings but it's all the same there are actually different kinds of energy systems some of them at particular points inside the body and some of them kind of floating around around the body in the aura and we're looking at slightly different things that that relate to each other in this case I recommend focusing behind the navel inside the body focusing on this belly chakra the belly is where where you hold your feelings and this starts with emotional feelings feelings anger and frustration and sadness and all of those things we sometimes talk about these things as being in the heart but mostly they're not mostly they're in the belly the heart mostly contains love and connection 
um, but not all of the complexity of emotions. The complexity of emotions is found mostly in the belly. But where this belly doesn't just contain emotions, it contains feelings. And the difference between emotions and feelings is that emotions are generally somewhat unpleasant and out of balance things that you want to clear and deal with in your life. You don't particularly want to be emotional. And they generally have uh, to do with the way that you're thinking about the world. You know, you thinking that that wasn't fair and so you get angry. You're thinking about somebody that's not here and so you get sad. Feelings are different. Feelings are things that are direct perceptions. And so this is where you get empathic feelings, feelings of understanding what's going on for someone else, uh, intuitive feelings, feelings of, oh, suddenly I just know the answer to something or I have a sense of what's the right direction to do or what I should be doing at this point. And underneath these these deep intuitive feelings, if you keep digging deep and digging into your feelings and your emotions, you experience ecstatic feelings, feelings of joy and love and and the divine presence, the presence of God. And people who dig deeply into this layer of consciousness, which is called Hiranyamaya Kosha, these people have a sense of, generally have a sense of the divine. They have kind of an ecstatic experience of loving, passionate experience with the, the cosmos. Um, the Hare Krishnas dancing in the streets are trying to develop this layer of consciousness, and many of them do develop this layer of consciousness. Other traditions that do this kind of ecstatic dancing do the same thing. It's a, a very ecstatic experience and a very loving experience, but it still contains in it duality. It still contains me and you. I and the universe. I am God. I and every other thing that I'm looking at. It's, always, it's still me looking at it from, from outside. And so this is the loving, ecstatic experience of Hiranyamaya Kosha. Beyond Hiranyamaya Kosha, is Anandamaya Kosha, which is the infinite, blissful consciousness. Now, if we're discriminating ecstasy and bliss, what we're talking about is a more peaceful, stable, easy feeling rather than an intense, powerful feeling. So... When you go beyond this duality, this sense of love of the universe, love of everything, the, the two become one, the everything and me, the God and me, the me and everything else become one. It just becomes we. We are one. And there's a sense of a network, a connection with everything. And there is no longer a sense of a clear boundary, a clear like this is me and this is you. Yes, I can talk to you and I recognize that you are 
a person with your own consciousness and you are different to me in some way. But in another way, I can feel that we kind of merge and blend into each other and there is no real real disconnect. There's no real way of ever being completely separated from each other. When I experienced this for the first time, I experienced it as a as a light, a white light that shines through everything and connects everything in a kind of network of light. And as it's shining through everywhere and in everything and then connecting between everything, this, this web of light, it doesn't have any boundaries, it doesn't have any points where it stops and this is me and this is you. We're just nodes in this network. So this is an experience that is often that is uh, possible to tune into by tuning into the sacral chakra, which is at the level of the hips. Uh, the yogic tradition would look at it as in around about the sexual organs, and the. Taoist tradition would see it kind of lower belly, which is slightly higher, but it's around that region. And if you focus in that region, that lower belly, very, very low in the abdomen, there's a sense of your energy in that lower abdomen shining out into the world, radiating. And as it radiates out into the world, It radiates out all the way to infinity. And then from infinity, the light radiates back towards you. And your your personal energy becomes completely united with the energy of the universe. So there is no difference on an energy level. There is no difference between you and everything else. The practical implication of this is that you harmonize, you work in harmony with whatever is around you. You don't see it as appropriate or or even to be possible to kind of conflict with things around you because you feel like you are together, so you need to work together. Uh, so this creates a great harmony and cooperation and collaboration becomes very natural at this level of consciousness. It also creates a very strong motivation to act and to serve and to help others because how do I help myself? Myself is everything. Myself is connected to all and so anything that I want to do for myself involves doing it for everyone else as well and so service becomes something that you do for yourself. You serve others because it's because it's part of serving yourself and so there is a almost selfish desire to help others. Selfishness is no longer different to altruism. You are actually deeply altruistic because you are selfish, and you are deeply selfish because you are altruistic. If you go beyond this to the base chakra, the base of the spine or the perineum, this is where you find the void, the emptiness. This is the experience that the Zen tradition talks about when it says 
the sound of one hand clapping. What is the sound of one hand clapping? That sound of silence, that emptiness, has in it something very beautiful. Something that transcends this universal reality to a greater universe. I was saying the other day that if if everything is consciousness and consciousness applied in different directions you can pay attention to your physical reality or you can pay attention to your emotional reality or you can pay attention to the great network of energy that connects all things this void nirvana in the Buddhist tradition this void is consciousness looking with nothing to look at it's pure consciousness it's not applied in any direction because from this layer of consciousness there is uh, the whole universe and everything that's in it is not relevant I'm not even in touch with it it's there I'm not denying it the experience of this consciousness is much like the experience of falling asleep the difference is that it's very very blissful it makes you very very happy so you go into this consciousness and you can just kind of sit in nothing as though you're falling asleep but you come come out with a smile on your face and a kind of joyous approach to life so beyond beyond the base chakra this center it is possible to find a couple more layers of consciousness beyond that. If you put your mind at your feet and center yourself at your feet, which is what Tai Chi does, this is, creates something called Wu Wei, which is doing a way Wu Wei, doing without doing. Wu Wei means not doing. But the point is that you put no effort in but things still happen and this is how this experience of the void of the emptiness comes back into action so as we're empty and we apply this emptiness to our bodies to our actions to everything we do then the universal energies flow through us and things happen and there's an inspiration and an action that just happens by itself this is something that you would recognize when you see a dog running the energy that the dog has it doesn't take effort for it to run it runs naturally because running is what it does and if you try and get the dog to sit still when it really wants to run and you observe it closely you'll see 
how much effort it takes for that dog to sit still. Far more effort than running. So when we apply this experience of the void where everything is peaceful and relaxed to our actions, then we get these energy that comes from nowhere and that allows you to move and act in the world in a very powerful way. It also has kind of an inspiration that allows the action to be wise and it has a a kind of allowing of others to act as well. There's a tradition, a Chinese tradition from, uh, I think it's from Chuang Tzu, who's one of the one of the early Taoist writers, not the first, but one of the, the great early masters. And he said, the sun does nothing and the earth does nothing. But between the two of them, they create all this abundance of life on the planet. Where is the man who can do that nothing? So this is the nothing that we are talking about here. It's the nothing in action, the the nothing that brings about creative possibilities and actions. It's often taught in the, in the Taoist system as a way of you know, through the body, through the body's action, and and I've experienced it a lot that way myself. So. I, I do a lot of Tai Chi. Well, not a lot. I do Tai Chi and I kind of know how Tai Chi works. But I treat it in this very relaxed way. It happens naturally. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it happens. It doesn't happen. I don't, when I feel like it, I do some Tai Chi. I don't go for runs. I don't exercise very much. I don't push myself. So I was living with someone who was training every day, going for runs in the morning. And I had not been for a run for several years. All I'd done is a little bit of Tai Chi in the mornings for for some years. And here was this man who was running every morning. And we went down to the beach and we decided to have a run and we raced down the beach. And I was easily able to run faster than him with less effort and, and was not out of breath when we got when we got to the end was quite fit and so you can see that um, the the reason for this is that the energy that is feeding this body and allowing me to move is a very abundant universal energy and it's an energy of relaxation that doesn't take much effort and so it's very easy to run where um, someone who is using a a different layer of consciousness that is not so relaxed. They put a lot more effort in to, to work the body. Now, I'm not a master of running, and I'm, there's plenty of people who are better runners than I am, but it demonstrates the point. There is actually a book uh, called Chi Running, which is about how to do this. So this has an influence in your actions, you know, not just in your 
physical running ability, but it has an influence in your ability to serve and make a difference in the world because it creates the the balance. Now, if you, any of you have seen the the old uh, monkey magic show that uh, I grew up on, monkey was called irrepressible, and this is irrepressible. This is this experience that you can't push it down and can't stop it. It just kind of bounces up and keeps keeps going because it's effortless to to act. And so this is something that creates a lot of influence in the world because of that effortless motivation. And of course, it contains the other layers of consciousness connected to it as well. So it still knows about harmony and connection and love and all of those things. And so it has a certain wisdom and in, in its actions as well. If you go beyond that again, you can move the centre of your consciousness to the centre of the earth. Now this seems like a... <coughs> excuse me. This seems like a kind of esoteric thing to move your consciousness outside of your body, but it's not so difficult when you start to, to get into this practice. If By the time you've worked through all of these layers of your all of these uh, layers of the mind and all of these different centers in your body. I don't think it should be difficult to move your center outside of your body. All you're doing is focusing your mind on a point. What's the dif difference between focusing on your, your mind on a point inside your body or focusing your mind on a point outside of your body? We do it all the time. You look at that leaf. You're focusing your mind on that leaf. Focusing your mind into the centre of the earth. It takes a little bit of sensitivity to be able to sense that there is a sense of the centre of the earth. But imagine it, feel it, eventually you will get there. If you focus your consciousness at the centre of the earth, you get an experience that I'm only just learning now. An experience of bringing other people with you in your journey of consciousness. So it's not just about me and my actions and my feelings and my thoughts. It's about transforming those around you as well. How does it feel? It feels... as a balance to the irrepressible energetic relaxation it feels much more stable and calm and inactive because it's inviting others to take action rather than taking action yourself I believe that this is what is known as Christ consciousness the concept of of Christ Jesus being Christ is that he had a particular state of consciousness that brings other people to the divine. And this in the Indian system is called Taraka Brahma, which means bridge God. God who is the bridge between this world and the next world. And only through 
that consciousness that bridges the two worlds, can we be can we step beyond our worldly experience to the otherworldly experience? And this is what Jesus meant when he says, I am the way, the life and the truth. Only through me can you reach the Father. Jesus Yeshua Yeshua his, was his real name and better a better name in my opinion. He he seems very arrogant when he talks. He says that I am I am God and you know all of this spiritual experiences that you're looking for, all of this salvation, it comes by believing in me. But of course the esoteric understanding of this is that he's talking about his state of consciousness, not about his body or his personality. So his state of consciousness would be this state completely connected with the earth that uh, creates a, a, like an opening, a, a vortex that pulls other people's consciousness or allows other people's consciousness to drift into it, to fall into it, attracts them into this newer, deeper states of state of consciousness. I guess this is what all of the great masters, great gurus, spiritual teachers learn to embody, is this state of a presence that brings your brings your, brings others' consciousness with it. And so we have all of these levels of consciousness and we can explore all of these levels of consciousness. Some of us have a greater desire, a greater need for depth. Some of us really need to explore those deepest mystical layers of consciousness and we're not happy without doing it. And some of us, we can manage on a shallower layer of consciousness. And perhaps some of us even need to work on, let's say, rather than a shallower, a higher layer of consciousness, a higher, more practical, active, in-worldly consciousness. Um, and that's a, a question for you to discover. Where is it that, that you want to experience and want to be in this life? What is it that gives you joy? And of course, the other thing to consider here is what kind of experiences are practical and useful in your life. So depending on the kind of level of impact you, have, you want to have on the world and what kind of projects you're wanting to grow, you may need to develop certain layers of consciousness in order to be able to have that impact. If you want to be a great guru, you will need to have a very, very deep layer of consciousness. If you want to be a great political leader, you will want to have a reasonably deep layer of consciousness so that you're able to have compassion and understand others and, and unite people. If you're wanting to make some money 
and run a, a small successful business, you probably need to open your throat center and be good at uh, creativity and directed action. Etc. A lot of people really need to open their heart, focus on the heart, find their inner peace, still the mind. So you have a choice of where you want to go in this, this spectrum of consciousness and what you want to explore in this spectrum of consciousness. <laughs>